HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at Surrey Farms. Dot com or virginiatraditions.com Hello. Happy Thursday. I'm here in the house with uh, my co-host Aaron Fairbanks. What up? It's Thursday again. <laughs> and you're listening to the Farm Report. Uh, today we have on the line with us, live from Maine, uh, internet farmer himself, Jeremy Bloom. Jeremy, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Doing doing okay. Doing all right. Um, uh, I think it's uh, kind of funny we should tell the, the uh, listeners, you know, how we came to have you on the show today. It really was just through, you know, social networking and um, you doing something kind of similar up in Maine that we're doing here today, uh, talking to you on the internet. <laughs> Yes. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what it means to be an Internet farmer and, and what that entails for you. Ah, Internet farmer. Well, um, the Internet farmer is really more like a niche service of what I've been doing since about 94 when the Internet kind of came along. It's just sort of something that I fell into, and it became my career to be an Internet consultant. And I've been employed, you know, off and on, you know, full-time for here and there, but for the most part, it's just been as a consultant under the name, uh, I called it Techvertising. And basically, uh, I guess long story short, I fell in love with food a few years ago after sort of throwing my hands up at the computer one summer and just wanting to get outside, and a friend of mine happened to be a farmer, uh, which I knew nothing about at the time, really, and uh, I went to work on his farm and really just fell in love with everything about it, and as I went down that road, I I just realized that, uh, you know, I still like doing websites, and I saw, you know, an opportunity to work with farmers because it was a pretty untapped thing in the world of farming. So I created, you know, sort of a sub uh, area of my work called the Internet Farmer, where I work with farmers to help them sell online or do social networking or just build a basic brochure, you know, kind of whatever they need. 
Um, and uh, that's a relatively new thing for me, um, but, uh, but it's been really great, and it just puts me in the realm of working with farmers, which is really where I get a lot of joy out of things, you know? Cool. So how are you, I mean, how do farmers know you exist? I mean, this service seems like it's a really good fit for someone who's not too internet savvy, but is looking to kind of start that process. So how do you, how do you find the farmers? How are you reaching out to them? Well, here in Maine, um, we have an organization called MAFCA, the Maine uh, uh, Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, and they do a lot of events, so I try to go to those. Um, there's uh, also lots of other uh, Maine-based food organizations that um, I just get my hands in. I'm involved in the Portland Food Cooperative, um, I, which is a new thing. Like, we actually don't have a co-op store here in town, which when I got into all of this, I was like, where's the food co-op in this wonderful little hippie town? But um, So I found the people who are growing the Portland Food Co-op from scratch, so I'm a big part of that where I meet a lot of people. There's another organization called Eat Local Food Coalition, and it's basically different people from all the different organizations in the state that sit at one table to sort of just tell, you know, talk about what we're doing and keep everybody's ears open to cool things that are going on. So I really just take, I try to get my name out there really just by taking part in things and trying to reach, you know, raise my hand when a technology thing comes up and, and just try to sort of be that techie guy that sort of helps the farming world move into to that realm because clearly that's where everybody's going. Um, but I don't really do any advertising or anything like that, which is, you know, my fault in some cases. But I really enjoy doing doing the work. And a lot of what I really, you know, I'm going for in the future uh, is this project that we call Buying Club Software, which grew out of my work with the Portland Food Co-op, where we buy food as a buying club at the moment because we don't have an actual store. Um, but we, you know, our main focus is getting from local farms and getting from farmers, you know, all over Maine, actually, which isn't always all that local because getting to the top of Maine is, I can get down to New Jersey in the same amount of time. Yeah, Maine's a big state. <laughs> yeah, Maine's a big state, big state. So you could have that whole local argument. But um, anyway, the buying club software was a project um, that came out of my work there. And um, a lot of what I'm doing these, you know, these days, like I still do websites and I'm still working, you know, wanting to work with as many farmers as I can, but I'm more interested in growing this business around buying club software that allows groups of people to create their own markets um, by easily setting up an online product catalog. And there's this process called splits that doesn't exist in most shopping cart software that would really help groups buy uh, on a wholesale basis, which is really what buying clubs are all about. So me and a, a partner, um, uh, my partner Matt uh, Hokinson, we created this software out of what we were doing at the Buying Club, and my research showed me that uh, lots of places around Maine and around the whole country might, you know, have use for this. So we decided to make a business of it. Great. So, um, well, yeah, that's actually really exciting. That's a couple weeks away from launch, and we're really excited to start turning people on to that too. And what what role do you see for farmers uh, in, in that software? Like, how how are you working to kind of integrate um, people who are growing food regionally into to that? Um, well, we um, there's a there's a bunch of different angles. Um, basically, the software was really made for consumers so that they can create a cast. So, let's say I'm a buying club. And I've got my friends, and there's 20 of us, and we want to be able to buy, you know, bulk carrots and bulk flour and whatever from our local farmers so that we can save a buck. And farmers, you know, often like to do that kind of business, too. So we can uh, make a relationship with the farmer 
which is the human part of the whole thing, of course. Um, you know, that, that doesn't go away with all this online stuff. The human stuff is still there. So you make the relationship, and then I can take this guy, you know, whatever this guy offers as far as a catalog goes, um, I can create that catalog and then have my group of people use the software to order food. Um, so that was originally what it was made for, but I recently spoke um, at an organization called Slow Money Maine, which is a you know, Maine branch of the slow money movement going on, um, where people are investing in their communities through agriculture. And um, uh, when I gave that presentation, a far, you know, uh, several farmers came up to me afterwards, and they were like, oh, well, it's great that this is for consumers, but, you know, we can use this too. And I've got a group of farmers who would like to create a catalog and offer it to our local community. So on one hand, the consumers can sort of take the initiative, but on the other hand, farmers can take the initiative too. It doesn't really matter who's running the software. All that matters is that they're using it for people to buy food. Now, um, once you, you know, go ahead and work with a client like a farmer, um, are you helping them in any way kind of get the word out there that this, you know, site exists or that this buying club is, you know, um, up and running? I mean, what are they, you know, um, is that part of your, you know, work with them at all? Um, so you, you mean just like promoting their online yeah, I mean, store kind of thing? It seems like, you know, you're at a lot of conferences and, you know, you're like as a technology person, you know, that works with farmers, you kind of do have your finger on the pulse in terms of, you know, what's going on in your area for the needs and, you know, um, uses for the things that, you know, we're talking about here. So I'm wondering if there's anything, you know, you, you know you're kind of doing to kind of bring all this together in any way. Well, I have to admit, you know, some of that has still yet to be seen. Um, you know, with Buying Club, so Buying Club Software, this project has actually been something that's been getting worked on for about two years. Um, so it's been a long time coming. We missed a lot of deadlines along the way. It was pretty hard to sort of build a software product that was any good in our spare time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of things like that I've kind of put off until we just sort of get going. But mm -hmm. there's a great deal of buzz around it. And... Um, um, so, like, as far as promoting it and tying it all together, like, right now we're really just in the struggle of trying to get a product out and, you know, show people that it works. Mm -hmm. And uh, really what I see happening, you know, in the world in general, I mean, you know, when people find something that works, you know, the word spreads to the right people. Right, right. Right. So, you know, we're, we're based in New York City, so obviously social networking and uh, using Internet technology to communicate and to find out about new stuff is, a, I think, a pretty big and common part of the day-to-day -day life, whether it's through your BlackBerry or iPhone or your personal computer. I mean, how do you, what, what's the kind of technology climate in a more rural environment? Are people using the Internet tool the same way? there or do you see kind of a, a shift in how people look to that resource um you know this is a really big discussion all the time you know when i sit in a room i'm the techie guy at the table and there's a few people who love me and want to talk to me like beyond you know like beyond reason because they want to like learn about it and figure out some technology problem and then there's the luddites at the table who want nothing to do with me and they're scared of me hmm. Um, so I think, in general, to answer your question about how the technology is used, it's being used the same way up here. Um, but there's definitely, you know, a rural com community, um, you know, whether it's older folks or the people who are just younger that really just don't really like computers all that much, um, you know. So people are either embracing it or they're kind of pushing it away. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I try to play both roles, you know, like I really think that the way to use technology for food and in these rural settings is, um, you know, to do just enough technology so that it facilitates all the human parts. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, like, what I try not to do, which I think I try, I think I probably did too much of it first, was Mm -hmm. I try to just keep the technology simple. And, like, the buying club software itself is a tool. And it's a tool for ordering. It allows buying clubs to grow. It allows the facilitation of, like, making a relationship with, far- with a farmer that you trust and creating a catalog and letting this group of people order it, which could be anywhere from 10. You know, the Portland Food Co-op is about to hit 200 members, so we've got a lot of people ordering and a, and a good chunk of buying power in our buying club. Um, but the majority of buying clubs are, like, you know, 10. So, like, you know, we've got a lot of people who would be using our service with their iPhones and iPads, but there's a lot of people who, you know, they're, they're still kind of scared that it's online, but they're a lot happier about it because it's better than what we're doing now, which is sort of this messy Google Doc spreadsheet thing that's very difficult to order with so many people. So when you're, um, you know, talking to, to farmers to, to, you know, provide them with this software, um, are you, you know, going out to their farm and kind of seeing their setup? Because it seems like, you know, this is only one step in the infrastructure it takes to, you know, provide the full service, which is, you know, getting that order from the buying club software and then whatever it takes to, you know, get the product from the farm to wherever the buyer is. Yeah, I mean, you know, ideally I'm spending a lot of time with people to, you know, I just actually just recently, this is sort of to the side of buying club software because it's just a more traditional e-commerce thing. But at the same time, to me, it's sort of like between the buying club software and a more traditional retail um, type software, you know, I'm able to offer a farmer any online sales scenario that I can think of that I've come across so far. So I feel like I've sort of got a a full offering to people. But this uh, recent project, which was written up in the Portland Press-Herald up here in Maine, um, these farmers are four farmers out on Cape Elizabeth, which is just off of uh, Portland here on the water. Um, It's a beautiful place with beautiful farms, and they are the closest farms to Portland. Um, So they created a situation where there was two pickoff Basically, they wanted a pre-order system so that people could order online. There was no credit card transactions, which is also a very big trend in this whole farming scenario that I've come to find. Is I think that may, that's part of what makes it more human is that we're really just using the online aspect to place an order, but there's still like a pickup and, a, mm. and an exchange of, of money, and that's what keeps the connection there. Right. Um, so, but anyway, my point was that you know before we started set up their store. Um, you know, we met for hours and hours for days and days talking out the details of what they were doing. And then I programmed a shopping cart that would work for what they did, and, and we collaborated a little bit. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, in uh, just a few hours, we're opening their third order cycle, and they're doing pretty well. Cool. That sounds great. I'm, I'm excited. We're going to take a quick break in a moment here. But when we come back, I would love to hear a little bit about some of the, the people you've been working with and some of the stuff uh, that's on the horizon. Sounds great.
Okay, we are back uh, on the line with Jeremy Bloom, uh, learning a little bit about his business as an internet farmer. So, Jeremy, before the break, you were talking through um, some of the services uh, that you provide from the buying club to the website setup to the online stores. I wonder if you could tell us about some of your clients and kind of uh, if anything unexpected or um, kind of out of the ordinary has come up as, as you've gone through putting your own website together and figuring out like what services people are interested in. Were there any kind of surprises along the way and maybe some stories about who, who you've been working with? Uh, let's see. Stories about who I've been working with. Well, the story that I was getting at with the farmers on Cape Elizabeth, um, that is one of the first people that I've gotten to set up with um, commerce, and that's been very exciting. That got a little bit of uh, you know news coverage, and uh, it really is all of the farms on, on the Cape um, that are working together to basically create a, uh, they call it a winner share now, but they're really interested in having an online market all year round. Okay. Um, so, like, on one hand, they got started and wanted to do, to do this so that they could get rid of their winter sh- shares. Um, we're a little, until very recently, we actually didn't have a, mar- a winter's farmer's market here in Portland. And so the local food scene sort of disappears, um, mm-hmm. in a way, in the winter. Um, you know, as, as much of a hippie town as we have, it's amazing that we also, you know, don't have as much access to local food up here as you would think. It's It's more difficult, and that's... That's really the biggest mission that I have. Um, I'm very interested in just seeing this, you know, entire uh, realm of local food get into people's homes. And I have to tell you, like in in our town at this moment, it's not all that easy, and people uh, have to learn new ways of doing things. And, yeah, I would say uh, like January's tough all over the Northeast. Yeah, it's like yeah. a little bit of a struggle this time of year. I know. I think I had the last of my, you know greens that I got the market two weeks ago that the farmer I bought from definitely like pulled out from underneath the snow mm-hmm. right <laughs> so I know, I know that's been, that's always a big challenge you know working in the northeast is a lot different than um you know other parts of the country I've spent a lot of time in California recently and it seems like that type of buying club or the internet-based farm share where you can kind of change things from week to week and you have a lot of flexibility and variety with regards to, you know, food service or food delivery options. There has more of a presence there um, than it does in the Northeast. I mean, do you think that's a result of the growing season or just that it's kind of been around longer? I mean, do you see this, this movement kind of growing? I mean, if you have like a magic wand and in the future is, is everyone in Portland getting together to form a buying club or is it turned into a physical location or, you know, how is it changing like the landscape of Maine? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I have actually, you know, this whole buying club thing has, uh, you know, since I got involved in it, I, you know, I didn't know anything about it really. I didn't grow up this way. I didn't grow up with co-ops quite frankly until, you know, a good handful of years ago, you know, I was, you know, typically picking up pizza at Seven Eleven, which is <laughs> a little bit sad, but true. Um, and, uh, you know, so when I got into it, I found a lot of things. And in buying clubs, I basically come across, well, first of all, there are a lot of buying clubs in the Portland area. I'm really surprised. Um, and they're ordering from a national distributive organic food. So like when you go into your local grocery store or even Whole Foods, they are probably getting the, or the packaged organic stuff like Annie's mac and cheese and things like that from uh, a distributor called United. Um, 
Uh, so we, you know, some buying clubs will be ordering from them. Um, now, the Portland Food Co-op has sort of is, is one spectrum. We've developed into an actual cooperative with the future goal of opening a store. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there was a day when our buying club was 10 people sitting in a room. And there was no online systems or anything. Um, It was all just, you know, paper organization and calling up a company and placing an order. Um, But as things grew, um, you know, the vision was to eventually open a store. And, uh, you know, I think, God, I think I've been involved in the project for four years, but it's been going on for close to six. And uh, um, uh, a small handful of people have really done an amazing job putting together, you know, the cooperative organization behind it all. And just last year, it all sort of merged together, and now we're basically an organ- organized as a cooperative. We were just given a space where we have, where we're going from 600 square feet, where we do all the splitting and have our meetings and all that. You know, we're moving into a 5,000 square foot space that was donated by uh, um, a uh, one of our senators' fiance um, here in Maine. Actually, donated the building. They're big fans of agriculture. Wow. They donated the building to us and gave us forty thousand dollars for doing renovations. Um, which is really, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. And so, so to sum up and try to stay out of your question, um, <laughs> you know, the, co- the co-op started as, you know, 10 people around the table and became this group that is, you know, not only do we order $10,000 in food a month, um, 5000 of that being local main food, um, but we are, you know, slowly but surely moving towards a store and we are in no debt. And that was really like a big charter for the whole project that everybody that ever wanted anything to do with this wanted. You know, we wanted to do this. If it was going to take 20 years to do it without debt, so be it. But we didn't want debt. So there was no loans or anything like that. And uh, so there's that aspect. And I think that a lot of buying clubs that I've come across have taken that path. And plenty of them in New York City, I think, have taken that path. There's a few people in New York City that found buying club software probably from just, you know, we had a simple site for it up online for the last couple of years. And uh, some people have found it along the way. And I think uh, Bushwick is in New York. Yeah, we're in uh, Bushwick right now. (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Well, I, f- I forget the woman's name that I spoke to, but she contacted me and felt that buying club software was absolutely what they needed to have. And I looked at their website and talked a little bit more. And I see that they're pretty much on the same path that, that our co-op was. So again, you know, what probably started as a group of 10 people is escalating. Um, but then, you know, when we get out into the rural areas of Maine, um, you know, I find a group of people who are just a group of families that are in an area, and they're ordering food together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're probably not going to use software because they're just a few people sitting around a table. And they'll probably not change from being a few people around the table because they're, they're, there aren't many more people in their community, and that's just the, what, the, what they do. So you can sort of see the scale. And I think, you know, one of the things about buying clubs, you know, uh, well, recently there was that thing where, like, a buying club was raided out in California or something. It did happen somewhere in the last couple months. It was raided by the FBI or the FDA and something really terrible where, like, people were held at gunpoint and all they were was a buying club. It It was, you know, to me it was a pretty tragic story and idea that, you know, anybody's going after the buying clubs because we're just trying to get healthy food in our systems without paying the prices, you know, that we can't afford. Um, 
Yeah, so buying clubs are a great way to like save money. They, you know, they've given me a community that I've never, I never imagined. I mean, you know, I make kombucha and I make my own yogurt and I make a lot of baked treats and I make mustard pickles and canned beets and I do all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I do a lot of barter trade and I get, you know, such great things from what other people make. So like, you know, these communities that are built, you know, all around people's interest in food, like to me, you know, I can't think of a better way to spend your time than in your community attached to your food. And so I love the buying club idea because I think that, you know, I see a lot of people very happy with all of this. And then when I go to the grocery store, I see someone standing alone in line and it's pretty boring and, you know, they're not really all that attached to their food. So um, uh, I'm not sure that I've totally answered your question, but I see a lot of beautiful things with buying clubs and there are definitely more of them than I would have ever imagined. Yeah, so I think... I think the the it's your enthusiasm for the buying clubs is coming through loud and clear and <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> um, you know but you do bring up an interesting point with regards to the the kind of community structure that a, a buying club allows for and, and one of the things we talk about a lot on the show is how many kind of different things farmers need to be good at to run a, a successful business because Definitely. you know if you're not if you're not growing food with the economic incentive, you're really just gardening. I mean, fi- <laughs> farmers are farmers are out there trying to make a living, and um, you know, one of the roles that that often is an area that they struggle with is is the technology is looking for ways to kind of uh, get the word out about what's happening on their farm and figure out a way to fit that in with their day. And, and looking through your website, some of the other services that you offer. Um, looking at the newsletter blog or looking at linking up farmer information with Twitter or with Facebook. Um, how, how has that been received? I mean, are you, are you using those tools a lot? Is there much of a demand for them? Um, let's see. Well, I would love to say that people are calling me left and right with those services, but I have mm-hmm. to admit that, uh, you know, not totally. Um, and I think that it's, you know, I think there's a lot of things going on. Um, I think number one, I see farmers. You know, it's it. There seems to be one person in every CSA who can put up a web page, and so very often farmers just automatically, you know, that they connect to that person and they do a trade. You know, a farm share for a website. Sure. So you know, it just happens to be a situation that gets worked out. So they off I find that often at least up here farmers often work with people that are sort of in their circle. Mm-hmm. Um so and, and you know, which is of course a very local thing. Um being a part of the CSA where they go to the farm and pick up, you know, one of those people is their is their web guy. Now, in doing that, I find a lot of people aren't really happy with what they've done, but, you know, they just don't have the bandwidth or, uh, or, or money to sort of take it up to the next level. Um, so I, I think, you know, people have trouble spending outside of what they've learned. I mean, you know, quite frankly, you know, being a webmaster, which is one of the reasons that I'm, you know, I love getting outside versus sitting at the computer. You know, the, you know, my industry since I started being it has been a little devalued. So, like, there's a lot of people that know a lot about the internet now, yeah. and it's there's lots more tools for building web pages. You know, like so, what I do can be done by a lot of people. Of course, there's a different knowledge base from someone who's been doing it professionally for ten years. Um, but the bottom line is that somebody can get up a website. So I like to think that. Um, uh, a lot of the people that don't talk to me about this, they're sort of into it and they want it, but there's either a language or educational barrier about just exactly how that fits into their day. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to envision, like, how they're going to manage their world, which I, you know, I spend a lot of my time explaining those things. And, um, um, you know, just the, uh, I guess, just the acceptance of using technology. I mean, it's very overwhelming, and there's plenty of farmers I've talked to for, like, five years, and it's only in the last year that they've started to realize uh, how beneficial blogging can be on their farm, how it's actually like a creative outlet that, you know, they can do in their spare time, not necessarily every day, um, that can promote their farm and get some creative juices flowing just by sharing, you know, all the beauty of what they do and why they do it. Yeah, and also I think some, something that we think about a lot here on the show is kind of creating this record of of events and, and that just that active blogging, that active writing is, is kind of recording what's happening and when and what the struggles are. I feel like those things are all really kind of useful and important. Um, right, right. And I'm a big fan of that, and that's why I love these tools also. But, uh, but you know, quite frankly, like, the reality is that, uh, you know, a lot of blogs are free, and people have gotten the idea, you know, one way or the other, people get, you know, an, an, an address on the Internet, and if it's a blog that works for them, then that's what works for them. And they make a couple of basic web pages, they link to the blog, and they're all done. So why, why call this guy the Internet farmer who's going to charge me way more than, you know, than, than this guy that I can trade with? So I have to admit, you know, I, I don't have, like, people ringing down my door about that. It's it, What it's actually become for me is more of, like, a personality when I go somewhere to just make the point that I'm into this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think what I, I mean, what I really like to see getting promoted is, you know, the buying club software and doing the commerce stuff anyway. Like, I love the newsletter blog, and I think somebody benefits from something like that. But um, um, there's a lot of moving parts to that. Um, so I think some of my real talents that I try to work that I think is about to happen for me as we do all these commerce projects is really that, you know, people start getting more interested in having me help them set up stores. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Jeremy. Uh, can you, if people are looking to get in touch with you, what what's the best way to reach out? Can you give them a shout out of your website? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you can go to internet-farmer.com, and that explains some of my Internet services. And the project that we've been talking about for buying clubs is buyingclubsoftware.com. You can see a demo and, and some of those things, and you can reach me through, uh, through those sites. Awesome. awesome. Well, wonderful. Good luck with everything, and uh, we'll be back here next week, live Thursday at 1 o'clock uh, with the Farm Report. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks.